Stampede. Garner is at number 55. Recorded 7-12-2020. Erasing a culture isn't easy. It keeps trying to come back. 
But then again, if you look at what happened with the introduction of Spanish rule over the Aztec or Inca cultures, erasing was swift. I'm not here to indict the Catholic Church for bringing Christianity to the New World. There were a lot of forces at work with Europeans taking over the New World. And it wasn't just for theological reasons. Economic forces have always played a major reason for why cultures were erased. And one thing is certain, culture, how we identify ourselves, is constantly changing. I'm not culturally like my father, and he certainly wasn't like his father. But it's always important to recognize the thread that connects one generation to another. I like telling you about the dangers of consumerism because it deceives you into believing you're living free. That in America, you're living in the best of all possible worlds. All you need to do is consume and you'll be living the good life. But you know what? You thought slavery ended over 150 years ago, but you're the new slaves. Consumerism distorts some of the values we had in this country. And I don't mean the sweatshops with child labor or the racial division of people. No, there have always been injustices, but there was a sense of stability in this country. There were always people who wanted to do good. Not just the people who wanted to correct the injustices. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about people who wanted to make life more enjoyable. Take, for example, when people were planning cities in America. They wanted to incorporate parks into urban settings. This included all sorts of things, like botanical gardens, small ponds, stages for musical or theatrical productions, the erecting of historical monuments. Yes, there actually were people who planned parks for Americans to have a better life.
what with the political environment that exists today, it's hard to imagine anyone who really wants to create something enjoyable. It's more like burn up and tear down or flat out destroy. Parks and the planning of parks weren't just an urban thing. As our country matured and moved westward, it was obvious we had some beautiful landscapes, unique wildernesses that deserved preserving. And this is always called into question who were the best stewards of the land, and in fact, who owned the land. Creating urban parks for people to enjoy, to build botanical gardens, museums of natural history or science, was one thing. Ownership was another. But it showed our culture, the values we held dear. It wasn't just urban parks helping to identify our connection, our past living with nature. With time, the stress of living and working in urban society required other kinds of parks, entertainment parks that weren't like the natural parks city planners envisioned for city dwellers. No, the entertainment parks were motivated by something else. They were designed to distract, to make you forget about the pressures of living in cities. And those parks revolved around a different principle of appreciation. The entertainment parks were designed to make money, and it promoted something other than people relaxing in a natural setting on a Sunday afternoon, picnicking with family and friends in a park. Something else was at work in the entertainment parks and it signaled our retreat for something we were connected to. And it didn't stop there. We were drawn into escaping with the artificial. We were tricked into leaving behind what we were a part of and adopt the new standard of being the watchers and the listeners by purchasing entertainment without being participants or communicating with nature. It was buying the ticket to forget about who you were. And it didn't stop there, because becoming disengaged, staying at home, and being manipulated by electronic machines, feeding you entertainment, became the new standard.
Why face reality when you can escape at home and become a full-time zombie? The thing is, you don't have to think. In fact, thinking is dangerous, because in consumerism, you need to be manipulated, deceived into believing you're only good for consuming. You can become so bloated with entertainment, it becomes meaningless. Now, Maybe I've skipped two important points about the well-intentioned people who work to preserve America's wildernesses and the creation of parks within urban settings. There are a lot of people who point to the injustices that existed when urban planners built parks. The facts were obvious. Those parks were to be used for the enjoyment by certain people. When the parks in the cities were first created, discrimination was openly practiced by the public. Black people were not permitted to use public places openly with white people. Clearly an injustice today. And this gets to the question of racial equality. The parks were created for the enjoyment of nature. But the people that used those parks intentionally limited sharing that space with certain other people. And the question is why? Why do we discriminate against other people? Well, the basis for that is that people believe we're not all alike. In many ways, 
we would like to think that everyone is the same. And certainly, we want our laws to be practiced equally. But in truth, nothing is the same in this world. And this is the reason we discriminate. When we say there's a distinction without a difference, what we're saying is everyone should be treated fairly. I confess, there are some people I don't like. I'm sorry. I'm not one of those persons who goes around embracing everyone and saying, I like you. I personally dislike people who go around destroying things, particularly beautiful things in nature or made by humans. No, I don't like some people. And in a world where making a distinction without a difference attempts to say everybody is the same isn't what I believe in. Especially when people try destroying culture or art. 
I'm against that. Sure, we can identify a tree, but you can't say all trees are alike. Some trees grow much differently than other trees, and I'd be a fool if I tried telling you all trees are the same. Now, culture is a difficult thing to define. There are certain artistic characteristics that define a culture. The way we build our houses, the kind of food we eat, the clothes we wear, the kind of music we create, the way we speak. These are all things that say who we are, and they can also describe us racially. As I said, I don't like people who destroy, but I should make a distinction. I don't like people who destroy culture unless they're capable of creating something more meaningful. As I've been telling you, I believe consumerism has produced some very nasty behavior with violence and fraud not being the least of them. So what would I replace it with? Well, it's not my job to tell you what we need. I can only offer alternatives. I think we would all be better off if we educated our young to create instead of consume. Schools of art teaching music might be a good start. Drop the Wall Street promise of profits for teaching music, how to play a musical instrument, how to sing, how to draw, how to dance, how to plant a garden, not how to trade options to make a profit. You see, you believe you can be free by just destroying the symbols that caused racism, but that won't work because real racial differences exist. You can't destroy the past because it exists right now. And you can't make everybody the same. I'm not like you, and you're not like me. The real problem becomes when you demand everybody be the same. Now, when it comes to who owns what in this country, the great places of wilderness that still exist here always have been a cause of tension. People who lived in North America over 13,000 years ago, before Europeans arrived, were native people of lots of different tribes. It's not an exaggeration to say ownership of land among these different Native American cultures was difficult to determine. Cultural differences existed even among Native American tribes. But one thing is certain. When Columbus, or whoever else from Europe, discovered this vast continent across the Atlantic Ocean, history was changed. And 
let's not kid ourselves. Over 600 years ago, Columbus, sure as hell, couldn't have envisioned what these United States would look like today. So let me say this. I've seen a very large statue of Columbus mounted atop an extremely tall column at Barcelona, Spain. And I would never consider tearing it down, not only because of its artistic value or its historical meaning, or even if a whole race of Native Americans had their land taken from them. No, I wouldn't tear down Christopher Columbus's statue in Barcelona, Spain, because I sure as hell couldn't erase the truth of what happened. And today, the people who have brought down statues because they say they have a moral right to do that aren't capable of anything other than destroying. And I don't like them. I don't trust them, and I consider them a danger to me and my culture. They're incapable of creating anything of value. Like I said, I don't agree with what the economic system of consumerism has brought to this country. And when it's all said and done, after the violence, after the financial frauds have finally come to an end, when the destroyers have finished spreading their graffiti on every wall, they will never have accomplished anything. They're the hollow people, and I don't like them. This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard the music of Alexander Bordin's opera, Prince Igor, first performed in St. Petersburg, Russia in 1890. Bordin died in 1887, leaving his work unfinished. Alexander Glazunov and Remsky-Korsakov completed the opera. You then heard three works from Malcolm Arnold's incidental music from the 1956 movie Trapeze. First Trapeze, then Elephant Waltz, and then Above the Ring. Finally, two cuts from Franz Liszt's Hungarian Rhapsody No. 2, composed in 1847. Stapede, written and performed by Edward Garner, in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.